uh, the dilemmas of dad or the trying circumstances of being a father. Today we're going to look at Joseph's father, a man by the name of Jacob. How many have ever heard the name Jacob? Raise your hand. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the third of the triumvirate of those patriarchal fathers of the great people of Israel, the Jewish people. Jacob was he was a father of twelve. In fact, we have the twelve tribes of Israel that emanated from this man by the name of Jacob. Jacob was quite a character. Let me take you back through the Bible for just a couple of moments, some of the highlights and lowlights, if you will, of Jacob's life. Uh, first of all, Jacob was known as a deceiver. He was a trickster. It was Jacob who, I kind of laugh when I, I think about this, he was kind of cunning but he did. He tricked his own brother Esau into obtaining uh, the birthright of the firstborn. It was also Jacob, if you remember in Genesis 32, where the Bible says he had a wrestling match with none other than the angel of God. And as he wrestled with God, saying, God, I will not leave you till you bless me. And, and God touched his hip, and as one pastor said, the rest of his life he walked with the holy limp as a reminder of his encounter with God. And Jacob had some good times. I'm, I'm not mitigating that at all, but he also had some very difficult times. And today, as we study the life of Joseph, we're going to look into the life of Jacob and analyze and evaluate some of those hard times of Jacob. And here's why. Those who know history and study it well will not repeat its mistakes. One of the reasons why I believe the Bible is a sacred book is this. It contains the good the bad and the, anybody? The ugly of humanity. It doesn't try to gloss over it. It, is, it, has, it has great veracity and fidelity to the truth. And God's like, I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm, I'm just trying to reveal everything so that you can study it and read it, relate to it, resemble it. Look at this. Emulate the good. Embrace the lofty behavior of these biblical characters, but avoid the bad, avoid the evil, avoid the poor choices uh, that are made. So today, I get to talk to dads. I, I love to uh, preach to, to dads. I know it's not Father's Day, that was last month, but today as our message is entitled The Dilemma. The Dilemma is plural of dad. A dilemma is simply a trying or a difficult circumstance. That's what a dilemma is. And you say, wow, that's a tough way to talk about dads as dilemmas. Hey, if you're a dad today and you have not experienced a dilemma, then stand up and just shout and tell everybody how perfect your life is. I mean, that's, that's inconceivable. We all have dilemmas. We all have difficulty. And so the Word of God, just love the Bible. It's going to reveal to us a lot about Jacob. Watch this. It's going to reveal a lot about who we are as fathers. So today, I'm going to read Genesis chapter 42 and 43. I'm going to read a large part of this text, but before I do, I'm looking for something that's not up here. Kathy, can you help me please? That book on my desk called Dear Dads, would you go get that book for me? Thank you very much. Um, just a little TV time out there while I get the rest of my sermon. There's a book that somebody gave me a number of years ago, and I want to read a couple of excerpts out of that book, but I can't read it if I don't have it. Amen. So, Miss Kathy's going to help me grab that. So, here's what we're going to do today. Really looking forward to this message. I, I, I truly believe at the invitation 
in, in a few minutes, when we stand, we're going to have some godly men standing here, and I believe there's going to be other men who are going to come forward and say, would you pray for me? Would you pray that I would be the man of God God's calling me to be? Others of you, I really believe that some men are going to come forward today and say, I can't be the man of God He wants me to be because I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with Him. So we're going to get the moment here in a moment, the opportunity to lead some dads to Christ, and we're going to have an opportunity to encourage and bolster the faith of some dads who already know the Lord. So we're in Genesis chapter 42. We're going to read the text, and first of all, we need to rehearse some of the events. We need to recapitulate, we need to summarize kind of where we have been in the journey of the book of Genesis, and then it'll kind of catapult us into the remainder of the text and the sermon today. So let's read Genesis chapter 42. I believe we'll pick up about verse 29, and this is going to be a good summation for us as we ramp up and get right into the text today, all right? Are you ready? Say amen. If you're a dad here today, wave at me. Raise your hand for me. Just a minute. Woo! It's coming. It's going to be good. Thank you. You're not a dad, but I will. Take this book. God bless you. Thank you. Kathy. Kathy Jones, administrative assistant. Can we just shout, shout out to her? Praise God for her. Woo-hoo! We appreciate her. Well, I've got this book up here, Dear, Dear Dad. I, I, it's written a number of years ago, and it was given to me by a friend of mine in a church that I pastored a number of years ago. And It is a really good book. It's a little dated, but if you're a dad, I I do recommend it. It's called, Dear Dad, If I Could Tell You Anything. And the caption reads, What Kids Want Their Fathers to Know. And in the beginning of the book, the guy who gave it to me wrote me a letter in this book. And his name is Kenneth. And Kenneth wrote these words. Basically, he says, you know, I know you pastor this church, and that's important. But I submit to you, your greatest congregation is Ashley and Hannah and Bryant, and Layton. This was written about 12, 13, 14 years ago. And you know what? He was a prophet. He was absolutely right. Because churches come and go, people move off the scene, but I guarantee you, your family is with you for the rest of your life. And the way you treat them, Dad, that's the most important thing. And I'm so glad 14 years later I heeded his advice and, uh, and I sure do love my family. My wife and I have been married for 30 years. We've got three great kids. If you want me to tell you more, just ask me. I'd be happy to brag on them just a little bit because I love them. I've always put them before my church. And you know what? It's bowed me very well. It's made some church members very angry like little hornets. They get mad. But you know what? It's okay because I like when mama's happy, when mama's happy. Amen. All right. All right. Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan. Now they went to Jacob, the brothers. And they went to Canaan, and they told him, they told their father all that had happened to them, and here's the recapitulation, here's the summary. Now the man, Joseph, who is Lord Joseph, now Jacob doesn't know this, the man, the prime minister of Egypt, is Lord of the land, he spoke roughly to us, and he took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, well, hey, hey, we are honest men. We are not spies. We are 12 brothers, uh, sons of our father. One is no more. The youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, of course, they just know him as the man. They don't, they know him as the prime minister. They don't know that he is actually their brother. Joseph is their blood brother. He's their half-brother. 
But he disguised himself. He spoke roughly to them. He spoke through an interpreter. So far as they know, this is just the prime minister, and he's large and in charge. He's the governor, and he doesn't like us very much. So he said to us, by this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. And that's what they did. They left Simeon, okay, with Joseph. They went back to Canaan with Jacob and their youngest, Benjamin. Okay, Benjamin and Jacob are at home. But the prime minister said, take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but I will know that you are honest men. And I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened. All right, now they're in Canaan, okay? They're rehearsing the events of what had happened in Egypt. As they emptied their sacks, their sacks meaning what they carried their food in, that surprisingly, each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father, Jacob, saw the bundles of money, they, the Bible says, were afraid. So we are rehearsing the events of where, where we have been where Jacob has been, where Joseph has been, where the brothers have been, and it's led us to this point. Really, it's a point of dilemma. It's a point of crisis. In, in other words, the brothers say, Dad, Simeon is 200 plus miles, three weeks journey in Egypt. He is not getting out of prison until we all go back with our youngest brother, Benjamin. And Jacob, here in this moment now, he has an opportunity. He is faced with a dilemma. And he has two opportunities. He can, uh, number one, he can do good, he can have faith, he can trust in God, or B, he can do bad. He can bite their heads off, he can rebuke them, he can blow up, he can get angry, a lot like you and I do as dads. And that's exactly what he did. He had a moment where he could have had faith. He could have said, okay, guys, this is tough. Man, let's all get around. Let's just pray to Jehovah. Let's ask God for help. And Man, then we'll all go back together, and we will take Benjamin, and we'll get Simeon out of there, and let's all huddle together, and let's, let's take care of this thing together. But that is not what he does. He takes the low road instead of the, the high road. Next is his refusal to listen. Now, this is verses 36 through 38, so read with me as his brother, the sons, try to tell Dad what's going on, but Dad will not listen. He isn't hard-headed as a piece of granite. Now, wives, please don't elbow your honeys, your husbands, while I'm talking. And, and sons and daughters, don't turn around and look at your dad, all right? By the way, he's under conviction enough, all right? If he's anything like me, and he's feeling it, he's feeling the heat, he's feeling the Holy Spirit of God beginning to illuminate his heart and, and begin to convict him and, and drawing him to the place of repentance. So let's just let God do his work on us today, okay? Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things. Talking about hyperbole. <laughs> Everything in the world, it's bad. It's all against me. And then Reuben, the oldest, he spoke to his father and he said, Dad, Kill my two sons if I do not bring Benjamin back to you. Put him in my hands, Dad, and I will bring Benjamin back to you. 
But he said, Jacob said, my son, now he's talking about Benjamin, shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. In other words, it's all about me, boys. I heard what you had to say, but now let me just give you a piece of my mind, and let me tell you the answer is an unequivocal no. You're not taking Benjamin. Look what happened the last time you took Joseph. He's dead, and you're not going anywhere. And the the brothers are going, wait a minute, Dad, chill out. If we don't take Benjamin back to this harsh man in Egypt, we're not going to live. We don't have enough food to eat, and and we've got to go back. And, And he said, if you come back, you better bring your son, your brother Benjamin. And Jacob says, I don't care. Quit talking to me. I'm not listening. Y'all know any dads like that? (laughs) Are any of us dads like that? When there's a dilemma, when there's a difficulty, I know there's some perfect dads, amen. Not really. He refuses to listen. And it's going to get him in trouble. And dads, as the leader of our home, when we don't listen... We are creating an environment of disobedience and rebellion and disharmony and horrible marriages if we don't listen. I like what Henry Marr says at this point. He says, uh, yes, he was upset. He could really think through the situation and regain his trust and faith in God. But instead, he cried out and said, everything is against me. Quite the contrary, really. For all things were working together for his good. Romans 8, 28. So often it is with God's people, even when all the circumstances seem negative, God is working positively on behalf of those who are the called according to his purpose. This is my Facebook post this week. This just really grabbed my heart. I want to read it to you. There is never just cause to fear that God has let things get out of control. He has higher purposes related to our eternal future for which he is preparing us through such difficulties. Did you need to hear that? Did our nation need to hear that? Did our world need to hear that? The followers of Christ need to hear that. All things work together for good to them who love God. Go back to some of his hyperbole. First of all, he says, Simeon is no more. No, that's not true, (laughs) Dad. He says, Simeon, he's dead. No, he's not dead. He's incarcerated. There's a big difference. You weren't listening. Listen, he's not dead. He's in jail. He's going to stay in jail unless we go get him. Oh, Simeon's dead. Joseph's dead. I think I'll just eat some lemons and suck on some, some, some persimmons, and I just think I'll die. All the world is horrible. Quit talking to me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm going to go to my room. Goes to his room, turns on ESPN, and he stays there for 15 hours. That's what he does. Dad, how how well do you listen? How well do I listen? This book says, well, my relationship with my dad is a 10 out of 10. Why? Because my dad listens to me when I want to talk to someone. My dad takes me places. Dad, if I could tell you anything, I want you to know that I love you. The color blue best describes my dad. Because he is as calm as he can be, and he does not yell much. (laughs) Let me read another excerpt. 
page 143. This book is talking about dads. Dear dad, listen. Please listen to me. Dad, you know, we get along really well. And if I had a problem, you could get me out of it. I, I could tell you anything without you freaking out, says Kim, age 15. Dad, you spend a lot of time with me and you talk honestly about issues with me, Jeff, age 14. So dads, let me, um, let me just offer this to you. When your wife and when your kids want to talk to you, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that if you fill in the blank before they're finished speaking, you're a fool. I'm a fool sometimes. Because I'm like, okay, hurry up, just, just hurry up. Let, let, me, let me just tell you what you're trying to say. Anybody ever do that? Hey, listen, women don't like that. Wives, they don't like that at all. I mean, they, they just want to give you five of these where we sneeze sometimes. Just, just listen to me for a minute, okay? Just listen. And our kids... Well, Brother Danny, they're just a bunch of young whippersnappers. What have they got to say that I need to learn? They got everything to say. Don't do like Jacob did. Fill in the blank, speak prematurely, and have a woe is me mentality. Chuck Swindoll says it this way, and this is so good. He says, Jacob's problem is horizontal thinking. Our problem is horizontal thinking. When a dilemma comes, a bad situation, tough news, a difficult situation, instead of vertical, looking up to God and say, okay, God, help me to keep my mouth shut. Help me not to embarrass myself and you and my family. Help me just take a deep breath. Let me go vertical, God. We don't do that. We blow up. We, we, we talk and we get angry and we argue. We get red in the face and it's all horizontal. It's focused on us. It's focused on them. And it needs to be focused on the Lord. Well, let me tell you this. It's going to get worse before it gets better, okay? <laughs> Glad you're here today. All right, let's go to point number three, rigorous reality, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 43, and I'll read it. It says this, Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain, that would be Jacob and the ten brothers. Two of them are already in Egypt. That would be Simeon and Joseph. Are you with me? So Jacob, the ten brothers, and their families had eaten all the grain which they had brought from Egypt. That their father said to them, Huh? Go back and buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him and said, Dad, <laughs> the man told us, solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Now that brother would be Benjamin. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you some food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, and you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, huh? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is not an accident. The Bible does not say, and Jacob said, he called him Israel. You know what Israel means? It means prince with God. You're about to watch Jacob unfold before our eyes. You're going you're to watch the old caterpillar. You're going to see the old crustiness drop away. And you're going to see this metamorphosis. You're going to see this Israel that we know and love. The same Israel who wrestled with the angel. He's not there yet. But you're going to see signs of life. And at the end, it's going to be a wonderful climax. Isn't that interesting? Then Israel said... Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother? 
<laughs> That's actually funny to me. Why'd y'all tell him? Why'd you tell him you had a dad and a son here? What were you thinking, guys? By, by the way, that's really not really illegitimate. I mean, Jacob, Israel wants to know, why did y'all tell him so much? But they said, Dad, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family. And he said, <laughs> Joseph said, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? Now, see, that's Joseph. He's wanting to know, did Jacob and Rachel have another son? Because if they did, he would be his full brother. Not his half-brother, but his full brother. And so Joseph, when he was interrogating him, he was really looking for some answers. And so we told him. Man, we told him according to these words. And could we have possibly known that he would say, bring down your brother here to Egypt? No. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me. Now Reuben's already offered this, right? The oldest has already offered Send him with me. Now, now Judah steps up. Send him with me. Send Benjamin with me. We will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself, Dad, look, look at me, Dad. Listen, just think. Think clearly with me for a minute. I, Judah, will be surety for Benjamin. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, Dad, surely by now we would have returned this second time. Do you understand what's going on? You understand the dialogue? You understand that the famine is so severe that they've got to go buy food. But they cannot go buy food unless they take this little whippersnapper Benjamin with them. And if Benjamin goes with them, the dad, Jacob, is going to freak out. He thinks he's going to have a heart attack because the last time he let his youngest go, he never returned. And so I, I empathize with Jacob. I've, I feel Jacob's pain and sorrow. And by the writer interjecting the name Israel, he's wanting you to come in this story. He's wanting you to feel the pathos, the ethos. He wants you to feel the pain of Jacob, the, the pain of the father, the pain of the brothers. He wants us to experience this. And hopefully today you are experiencing it. You know what's so interesting to me, church? Is the big bad boogeyman, prime minister of Egypt, is not a bad man at all. It's Joseph, the beloved son. Now, here's a statement I wrote in my notes, and I want you to hear this carefully. But Jacob will not see his predicament or dilemma as a means to a blessing until he looks with the eyes of faith. Okay? He, he'll never experience the blessing, the release, the joy, the prosperity until he quits this horizontal thinking and looks up to God and says, God, thy will be done. I have made a mess. We are a mess. God, please help us. You know, oftentimes when dilemmas come, dads, we are experts at placing blame on others. We blame our wives. We blame our spouses. We blame our bosses. We blame our pastors. We blame our We blame everybody except looking in the mirror, Right? We refuse to look in the mirror and take ownership. Just a couple weeks ago, we were at Lake House. I was, uh, I was just getting alone with God. By the way, I highly recommend getting alone with God. And if you can get to a lake, that's even better. And just be cool, be chill. And I just 
I'll just share a moment with you all here for just a minute. We're, we're all friends, right? I'm getting nervous before I say this. Maybe I need a drink of water. Oh, yeah. Get a little shaky. There we go. Maybe I'll tell you next week. Just come next week and I'll share the story. No. I'll share it with you now. I'm, I am my worst enemy. In my mind, I create these experiences, these hypothetical events that are never going to happen, by the way. And by the time the devil's through with me, I have worked myself up in a tizzy frizzy. I'm just, and God just wants to say, what are you doing? Does God ever tell you all that? Chill out. Just chill out. I was like, well, Lord, what about this? And what about that? And we need to do this. And, and, and 99% of the time, it's Great Hills. It's just, I'm just consumed with this church. I am consumed with Great Hills Baptist Church being a radiant church that changes the world. And so I'm in my little introspective moment. I'm like, well, what if, if this person would do that, that would be really good. And if that person would quit acting like a nitwit, God, would you take care of that person for me? And God said, stop. You're the problem. <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> as long as you refuse to trust me, you're the problem. That's a good word. I just clapped as I rebuked myself. I realized that. Listen, listen. God will take, he'll take care of the nitwits, the knuckleheads. He'll take care of all of you. <laughs> he'll take care of us. We just need to take care of of us. We need to trust God. I want to tell you something, church. It's been liberating for me. It has been very therapeutic for me. I, I need to preach a sermon sometimes on when you overcome depression. It's awesome. It's happening. And the freedom that God has been giving me these last few months, ever since I read the Hope Quotient and memorized Romans 15, 13, and finally listened to my wife, life has gotten a lot better. So God says, trust me. Quit worrying about everybody else. Let me deal with everybody else. Is it just me or is it hot? I'm just like sweating up here. Maybe it's just me, Okay. Okay, okay, got to get to point four. How do I get there? Just say point four. Okay, point four is repentance and change. That's where we're going, all right? This is the good news, so let me, let me wrap it up in verses 11 through 14, all right? Ooh, here it comes. It's all going to be good. Watch this. And their father Israel said to them, are you, are you back in the dialogue? Are y'all with me? If it must be so, What? Who is this speaking? It's dad. It's me. It's your father. It's Jacob. And I'm saying, if it has to be so, then let it be. Do y'all hear the resolve? Do y'all hear the peace? Do you hear the quit, the argumentation? Do, do, you, do you see Jacob just kind of letting go? He says, okay, here's what you need to do, guys. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man. <laughs> The man is his son who's going to liberate them and set them free, but he doesn't know it. But he's about to know it because he's stepping out in faith. He's trusting God now. 
He's being Israel now. He's quit being old deceiver, mean-spirited, foe up Jacob. He's being the man that we know. And he goes, here's what we need to do, guys. Take a little balm with you. Let me explain some of these words. Balm was an aromatic resin that had healing qualities to it. Balm of Gilead, balm. This soothing, uh, aromatic, sweet-smelling had healing qualities. Okay, next. He says, take some balm and some honey. Now, one writer says, this is not honey from bees. This is a thick syrup boiled down from grape juice. It's not produced in Egypt. Keep that in mind. Next, he says, take some spices and some myrrh. This would be perfume, sedatives, also used for embalming. And then take some pistachio nuts and some almonds. By the way, neither of these were produced in Egypt. You could only find these in Canaan. My point is, this is a sacrifice. They're starving. And yet Jacob, Israel, has the wherewithal to say, guys, let's, let's get this thing right. And furthermore, why don't you take double money in your hand? Take back what was in your hand, the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also. Come on, church. Y'all see that? Take Benjamin, take him, and arise and go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy. Oh, wait a minute. We hadn't heard anything about God yet. Can y'all feel the change? Can y'all see the healing and the help that happens when dad gets right with God? El Shaddai, church. The Almighty God, the giver of blessings. Jacob is calling out to God. He, he's been the Jacob that we know and love. May God give you mercy before the man that he may release your, your other brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. Now watch this. If I am bereaved, then I am bereaved. I love this. If I am bereaved or if I go to my grave, so be it. I've got to do what's right. I, I've got to get my family some help. I, I've got to send you boys back with Benjamin, and we've got to get Simeon, and we've got to get our family back to get, Oh, man, this is just this is soothing to my ears, and it's, it's what the writer wants us to experience. I tell you, Dad, so much hinges on us. I, I want us to be dads who hit home runs with our families that they see our humility, they see our brokenness, and they see us step up to the plate and not strike out but hit a home run for God and for our families. And the way we do this is we emulate Jacob now that he's Israel instead of the, the Jacob who's quick-tongued, angry, blows up, mad. Here, here's, here's a quote. Here's a word God gave me. And I don't know if I can even say it, but here it is. We've all heard when Mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. But when dad's not happy, life is ugly. Life is miserable. Remember that. Life is ugly. Life is miserable. When dad, the leader, the spiritual leader that God put in that home, if he's not walking with God and honoring God and listening to his wife, listening to his kids, it gets ugly. Things blow up and kids are scarred for the rest of their life. Come on, dad. It's a big deal. It's a big responsibility that God has given us. 
don't be like this guy I saw Monday night. I was watching the, the All-Star game with my son, Leighton. And, and did, did anybody see the All-Star game? I didn't think so. I not many. Texas Rangers fan, if the American League wins, if we make it to the World Series, we get to host it. That's wonderful. But they had this celebrity softball game. And there was this guy who took his shirt off and he went up to bat and he was walking like this. And he had so, such large pectoralis chest, he could bobble him up and down like a bobblehead. I thought, that is amazing. I mean, his muscles were literally, literally bobbing up and down. And he was just, he was, he was doing all that. And I was like, dude, you are large and in charge. Got, I mean, he had muscles everywhere. And he strutted up to the plate. He took his bat and he struck out. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. He was like, whiff. Hey, he couldn't swing. He's like, whiff, whiff, whiff. He struck out. And I said, God, help, don't, don't let me be like that. Don't let me be all show and no substance. Don't let me be all talk and all bombast and all look how great I am and not deliver and not produce. And I want to tell you something, dads. I mean, the, everything can fall apart. The job, the church, the business, the sports, the team. But if you still got mama, you still got your wife and you got your kids, Whoa, brothers, you got everything. You got everything you need. If you got your family, you got your family, man. That's what's important. And I want you to know that. I want you to remember that. And I want to remember that. And I am remembering that. Glory to God. And I'm a knucklehead sometimes, and God is gracious to me. He helps me. He's patient with me. Here's what a prayer I read this week, and I want to read it to you as I'm wrapping up. I hope you listen carefully. This is Chuck Swindoll. He says, Dear God, based on this text we just read, here's what he said. Lord, I have no way of knowing who's reading these words, but I do know this. You are El Shaddai, the God of unlimited might, boundless power, overwhelming strength. No obstacle formed against you can hold you back, God. No one intimidates you. Nothing's too difficult for you. Furthermore, since you know the end of the story, Joseph's story as well as our story, you have the ability to work everything out, so we have no reason to fear. But we're only human. And that means we tend to be negative, horizontally focused, and intolerant of new ideas. However, we have come to the place... Listen, church. Listen carefully. Listen with your heart. We've come to the place in our lives where we are sick and tired of those tendencies. We need your El Shaddai strength to help us break those habits. And we need your El Shaddai might to face the future courageously. Here's the last part. With your help, O oh God, we start today. Give us fresh hope to think positively, to trust in your sovereign control over everything we shall encounter. Calm our fears. Give us fresh courage and a strong confidence in you. Listen to this one. Make us contagiously enthusiastic. I love that one. Make us contagiously enthusiastic as we begin this new way of thinking and living. Turn our focus from the horizontal to the vertical. Help us to grow old, gracefully saying yes to life's challenges, and I'm open 
to life's changes. And I ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a prayer. What a prayer. So men, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step up. Why don't you just step up to the plate with your shirt on, please. You can look a whole lot better. Blinded by the light. We don't, we don't want none of that. We, we just step up and say, God, I'm here. And, and, and listen to me. I, I, I hear it. I, I feel it. I hear the voices of darkness saying, well, I've, I've messed up so much and I've blown up. I've been like dynamite detonated in my family and it's just splintered everything. And my kids are still pulling out the splinters in their life and in their soul through my verbal jabs. Brother Danny, I hear you, but I've messed up too much. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Listen, if God would expose Jacob and all of his warts and his freckles and his hang-ups and his issues, why in the world do you think God would preserve this? Sir, he's preserving it. So you'll learn from it. And you'll say, okay, God, if he messed up, then I guess I'm in good company. I've messed up. But watch what Jacob does. He goes back to God. He goes back to repentance. He goes back to El Shaddai. And that's what I want you men to do. Come back to the Lord. I couldn't wait to tell you this next part. If you're here today and you feel... That God has spoken to you as a man. And you want to be the man of God he wants you to be. You want to be the husband he wants you to be. The father, the dad. And you say, I'm just, I'm just going to walk down the aisle and I'm, I'm just going to pray. And, and maybe a guy will come and just, just pray over me and encourage me. Let, me. let me tell you something. If you're thinking that, that is not the devil talking to you. That's Jesus calling. The devil would never encourage you and say, go forward, maybe a man of God will pray over you and encourage you and help defeat me. No, he'll never, he'll never say that to you. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I feel very impressed, I feel very convicted. I don't know if I like this conviction, it kind of hurts, but I'm, I'm feeling like something's about to bust, something's about to go down, something's about to change in me. And when it, when it hits me and changes me, then life is going to be different. I'm going to be a different dad. I'm going to be a different husband. I'm going to be a different churchman. I feel like the Holy Spirit of God's about to do a fresh work in me. That is not the devil talking to you. That's the Spirit of the living God talking to you. And God does everything. He does everything. The only thing God does not do. Are y'all with me today? Are you watching me? I'm wearing my boots. Can you see me? I'm taller. Watch this. Here's the only thing. <laughs> I know it's not much, but look, look. If you can see me at this point, say yes. Okay, here, here's what God can do everything except this. See that? That's it. God will do everything. You take a step toward God in repentance. You take a step toward God in this altar. It's like the Holy Spirit just says, Whoo. some come, they get saved, they get changed. Some dads come and just get prayed over. It's fun. It's an anointed time. It's a spiritually blessed time. And I hope that we get to do this even now. Father, thank you for the men of God that are in this room. I'm very grateful to them. 
Lord, I thank you for the deacons we have, for the staff that we have. I thank you for connect group leadership that we have. Thank you for the ushers. Thank you, Lord, for so many good, God-fearing men. Lord, we are not perfect, and we sure need a fresh touch from you, and we need, we need you, Lord, just to keep on working on us, and don't give up on us, God, and just help us be the men of God you've called us to be. God, thank you for Jacob. Thank you for a life that you exposed in the scripture so that I might learn from him and not repeat his mistakes, not blow up, not be horizontal, but to be kind and to listen. Listen well and focus on the Lord. And I pray this for our men. God, thank you for them. And now, Lord, for the man, the man. Oh, God, the man. It's in this room today. Lord, first of all, don't let him run. Don't let him close the doors. God, lock the doors if you have to. Don't let him get out of here. God, he's got to come forward. He's got to come forward. If he doesn't, it's going to be bad. There's going to be more discord in the home, probably going to end in a divorce. Kids are going to continue not to want to have anything to do with him. God, he's that man, and God, he needs you. And I pray for him today, Lord, whoever he is. He'd be broken, he'd be humble, and he'd let other men of God pray over him and encourage him, whoever he is. And sir, you know who you are. It's not somebody on the internet. I don't, even, I don't particularly think it's somebody on KBVO that's broadcasting this. I think it's somebody in this room. So whoever you are, when we stand to our feet in a moment, we, we start singing praise to God. You don't need to be singing. You need to be weeping. You need to come before the Lord and say, God, help me. Help me be the man of God that I know I've got to be. And so, Lord, I pray for the other men of God. We'd gather around him and we would encourage him. Lord, thank you for our church. I, I thank you for men like Brother Ross, and Gary, and Troy, and John. And those guys that have such a passion for men and men's ministry here at Great Hills. And I Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our men, and I pray that you continue to bless. But now, Lord, I'm just asking you to do a sweet work among us as men. At this time, in Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Terry's going to lead us in a song.